Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast. 2021. Horrendous 2020 has been put in the rear view. It's a new year. Got to set the stage where we've come from, where we're going, where we've come from. A super rich history on this podcast. Started out season one and season two of the OC, where it all began. After we did the first two seasons of the OC, moved into Friday Night Lights, One Tree Hill, began sprinkling in teen drama movies and since then we've just been off and running we went back to the oc season three towards the end of 2020 while also starting to do a lot more zoom podcasts due to pandemic so it's been an interesting journey for this podcast but where we're going in 2021 is picking back up with the oc season three getting back to teen drama movies as well and who knows, the sky is the limit. Okay, last bit of business, a little housekeeping before we get to tonight's guest. Contact information, vicariouslivingpod at gmail.com and vicariouslivingpodcast on the Instagram. Slide into our DMs for all of our swag situations. We have plenty of them or just to reach out and say hello, Gmail and Instagram. Okay, tonight. First pot of 2021. We're kicking it off just like we ended the final pot of 2020. OG back in virtual Zoom podcast studio, about 20 minutes away from each other in real life, but zero minutes away from each other in this virtual hangout. The wind to my pipes. Going to call in right now, but first let's do a recap with a little previously on the OC. Previously on the OC. Neil! Julie, what a nice surprise. Mars is a real chip off the old block, isn't she? I couldn't agree with you more. Brains, beauty. The surgeon that you hooked him up with, you convinced the guy that Johnny would make a full recovery and he's back on the team. Thank you. She deserves to be happy. I'm taking Caitlin to go look at new ponies. Whatever no longer fits, we'll just... Send it to your sister. Thank God Caitlin's going away to boarding school. This is no environment for a child. It's just not right for a little girl to love a hairless pony. Be it, be it, be it. It's the one. Mm. It is the one. Dude, I just kind of want to dive right in because I just I just freshly watched it. And uh, I mean, I've been out of the game now for a little over a month and I'm just like coming in buzzing. Okay, good, good. <laughs> so. Let's dive in. Uh, one was super jacked that this was our reintroduction of Caitlin Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. She came in like a bat out of hell. I was just going to play a quick clip and then we can dive into her. Here it is. Here's her right, introduction. Yeah. So I show up at my house to surprise my mom and this Persian dude answers the door. Uh, I'm sorry. I figured he was a new butler. But then I saw his shoes, Prada. I thought, maybe he's my new stepdad. And I was about to, like, hug him. And then his wife shows up. No matter how rich the guy is, my mother would never join a harem. Uh, So I was like, Persian dude, what are you doing at my house? And he tells me that my mother moved and that all the mail is being forwarded here. Uh, I think that you may have... Are you going to invite me in or what? Jeez, Ryan. See, Newport hasn't improved your manners at all. Oh my God, Kaylin Cooper? Weird neighbor kid. Hi. You have, uh, have you grown? Boobs? No, I... So I, I, go ahead with your initial thoughts and then I have three big thoughts. I mean, so the first and most obvious one is that we are officially time traveling when it comes to the Kaylin Cohen storyline. That was my thought number three. Kaylin Cooper storyline. The last we see her, she's basically like a six-year-old girl. Essentially. Uh, And that's season one, I believe, right? 
Yes, I think that was the last time we saw her. She's messing she around with like a pony that has yeah, alopecia. Yeah, she's got a pony and she's talking about how she wants a horse and it's when Jimmy Cooper's having his meltdown and he's looking at his bar <laughs> chart and it's just going down. <laughs> like revenue's just going down. She wants a pony. It's clear they can't afford it and then she just kind of disappears from the entire show. Right. And uh, yeah, she goes to boarding school and then she pops back up season three and she is, ooh, uh, looks like she's about 23, probably is supposed to be 14 in the show. <laughs> <laughs> so they do all this weird time stuff where it's like when we leave her, she's seven. Right. And she comes back in the show. They make the point over and over that she is now 14. Right. So we've time traveled those seven years, which is just weird in and of itself. But she looks nowhere close to 14 years old. She's 23. She's 23 and she acts 37. Yeah. Anyways, she yeah. comes in hot and the, uh, I think the second episode that we'll get to is called the stirrer and boy, <laughs> is she that. <laughs> so my three big thoughts on this, you kind of covered them in, in your initial reactions. The first one is what age conundrum is more egregious this with Caitlin Cooper aging essentially like seven years, AKA like 13 years, but in real, in the show, she's only aged two years. What's worse that, or Tim Riggins just being a sophomore in season one when he was clearly a senior. <laughs> like, yeah, I honestly, even though this one is really bad, the Friday night light stuff, what they do with their ages and their years in school is ridiculous. So I'm going to go with Friday Night Lights and especially Tim Riggins in that one. But this one is just absurd. And it's clear that they're like, ah, we're running out of plots, we're running out of characters. Oh, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't Marissa have a sister? And they're like in the writing room, like, yeah, like we, we should work her in. And it's like, OK, let's have her date Johnny. And then they backed into everything else from that. Right. So here's how they half tried to explain it. Yes, it was very clear to the naked eye in season one that that little girl was like eight years old. Right. But they try and work it as she was 11, but was turning 12. So now we've already jumped one year. So they go, okay, she's even though we said she was 11, we're going to say in that grade, that was the year she turned 12. So now we, we aged her one year. Okay, she's 12. Right, 12. Then they fast forward to she comes back two years later in season three and they say, okay, because she was 12, now she's 14, but we're going to age her another year because she was a day away from her 15th birthday. So <laughs> now they've essentially in the show, even though the actors, they, they got a new actor to play her and she's like 23, they're, they're essentially they're taking a four or five year gap and they've, they've whittled it down to like the two year window that they had. And to be honest, like they hit us over the head with so many like weird eight, like not only age facts about like how old she is, how old she used to be. And then as well as like, Oh man, she's all grown up. Last time I saw her, she was just a little girl. Now she is wow, something. I was a little offended personally, mostly because like, Listen, if you want to just go, hey, magic happened, and now she's like a fully-fledged teenager in the dating scene, like, I'll go along with that OC magic. Like, just just sweep me away. Like, let's do it. Like, I don't need the explanation. You know, we've learned throughout our extensive dive over these last few podcast years about what they have to do with age and we are willing, like you said, to suspend our disbelief. Like I love watching a bunch of 25 year olds play 15 and a half year olds. It's yeah, amazing. Fine. It makes yeah. me feel less creepy analyzing if these girls are hot or not, knowing that they're actually 25 <laughs> versus 14. But the, the, the workaround, and, and this would go into our, our teen drama rules that we've been compiling over the years is just don't announce the ages. So use things like, hey, she was a sophomore. Now she's a senior or say like, hey, she she left, but we never said she was 11. She came back a, a couple years later. Leave it at that. <laughs> we'll suspend our disbelief. Yeah, but we don't. Yeah, we'll suspend our disbelief. We don't need the explanations and all the backpedaling and stuff. It would be like season one if they had this whole thing. where like, 
oh yeah, actually Luke was held back three years in a row and he also has this weird genetic disorder where he looks 37, but he's actually 16. Like we right. don't need it, we're good. That, yeah, that's we'll why he looks 37. <laughs> yeah, we don't need all that. Just Just hit it quick loose keep it loose and then move the fuck on and we'll just it'll be a quick thing in our head where we go wait a second but then we'll move on <laughs> yeah we'll move on very quickly a uh, last age related thing with her and this is getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because uh she and johnny have a bit of a thing shall we say and they <laughs> they go out of their way to not only age johnny back a year like i always assumed he was their same age like he was a senior he's 18 years old they age him back a year to be 17. So he's not a pedophile. I know. So it's only a two year gap. So they age her <laughs> up quick to yeah. get her to 15. They age him back one year to get him to 17. So they can go like, Oh, they're only two years apart, but it's like, okay, you can't convince me that he's a junior or that he was just like, he, he was so smart that he bumped up a grade. Johnny's not smart. No. That's not going to pass. You know, no. There's just there's definitely a lot of creative accounting with the ages and that kind of shit. Yeah, so let's let's move on from ages. The the other two things, my other two thoughts. One quickly, how bad is the fucking communication between Julie Cooper and her daughter who's off at boarding school? So Caitlin Cooper comes back, and you heard it in that first clip. She's like, "Hey Ryan, I should." Well, I'll try and do her voice. Hey Ryan. I showed up at my old house, Ryan, and there was some Persian guy there. She's doing all this like super, and she's so confused why there's an why there's a new family in her old house that she grew up in. So Julie Cooper has not informed her that she married another guy. That other she moved in with him. That other guy died. Yep. She, she didn't get any money in the will. Her old dad came back, Mister. Mr. Snake Tate Donovan himself, they tried to get back together. He got his yep. ass beat. He left town. Yep. Now I'm I'm just trailer park living. I, I live in a trailer park. None of that's she, been communicated. She couldn't be any more out of the loop. I know. So that was one. And then two is in terms of asking you a question on what's more egregious, what is a more egregious actor swap in the OC is it when we had initial Trey Atwood in season one episode one who stole the car that actor and then in season two we got the new Trey who got shot by Marissa that switch or the Shailene Woodley who actually became a massive star later uh, (laughs) in life as the initial 10 year old in season one of Caitlin Cooper and then Willa Holland who came in in season three, who's like a 23 year old. It's the second one. It's the Caitlin Cooper thing. The first one's forgivable because it's a pilot. You only see the brother for like a quick second. And then Trey Atwood becomes like a huge character in the show. And they bring in, I forget that guy's name, but he's a, he's a good actor. So like I was down with this one was just weird. It was a big leap. It, it was big. And and at least the trays were like the same age and clearly like the agent of Trey number one just really sucked ass and couldn't get him attached or Trey one just didn't test well. Uh, <laughs> Trey God, nothing would make me more pissed off if I was an actor in Hollywood. Yeah. Like you know, those people are just so desperate, struggling for roles. And imagine if you got the role in the OC pilot as the brother and then they brought your character back. Like, imagine if you just like didn't get a call for, for that audition. I'd be so pissed off. What are we thinking? Do we think that happened and he didn't get a call back and he was the only one? Or like he did get a call back, but his agent was like, no, he's actually like turned to reality TV and he's down in Australia. <laughs> he's filming X on the beach in, in Australia, so he can't make it back. I have no idea. I don't know. He's kicking himself because if things were different, he could have been in uh, Ridley Scott's Prometheus, you know? Yep, totally. Just like Trey number two. So Marissa arranges a meet between Johnny and Caitlin and that you, you alluded to it. There starts to be a little something percolating between Caitlin and Johnny. And when I say that, it really seems like Caitlin and Marissa have this like sibling rivalry and yeah. 
Marissa's always run the show with the dudes and everything. And now that Caitlin is 23 and coming into the mix, she's like wanting to essentially grab some of uh, Marissa's thunder, you know, with the dudes in the drama. Oh, yeah, there's there's definitely some baggage there. Um, and once again, I don't know how this baggage like exists as thickly as it does, because last time Marissa saw this character, this character was a little girl. And probably mm-hmm. <laughs> they had that like big sister, little sister look up to relationship. And then they've been assuming not speaking to each other for three straight years. So yeah. I don't know where that sibling rivalry would have really uh, kind of taken ground, but I'm totally with you. Yeah, there's definitely some beef there. Um, there is actually a really like a really good dot connecting moment. And I don't know if you'll be able to find these clips, but it, it would be nice to kind of intersperse them here. There is a, a part where um, Julie Cooper talks about how Caitlin is her And Marissa is her father's daughter, Mm -hmm. which makes tons of sense. Like Jimmy Cooper is kind of an idiot. Yeah. Um, Caitlin Cooper is like a shark, kind of like Julie. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to tell her. I I just wanted to protect her from everything that's gone on around here. Shootings, funerals, public school. Well, just explain it to her. She'll understand. Honey, you might have understood you're your father's daughter. Caitlin's me. She's not going to want our life. She came home. And that means she wants her family more than anything. And then you see that get played out and that scene that you're talking about where Marissa brings Caitlin to meet Johnny in Chile at yeah. that, <laughs> that diner. And they split up. Marissa stays at the table with Chili. I was going to play this clip too. Yeah. 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 It's great. Marissa stays at the table with Chili where he literally has to spell out the whole situation about Johnny actually not making the tour, like all that stuff. And it takes her forever to like for it to sink in. She just couldn't read between the lines. What's going on? Marissa, do I have to spell it out for you? Okay, yes, I do. Look, he knew that you weren't going to go back to Harbor while he was still there, so... He told me that he was leaving. Oh, my God. I loved that. I was so glad. I'm like, finally, someone has called her out for her shit of being the most naive idiot of all time. I, I just love that scene because Chili's obviously one of the most pointless characters in this show, but he does get to deliver one of the best lines. So the thing is, is that Chili does say that Johnny lied the whole time. He actually, he isn't going on the PacWest tour. That was all a lie to just get you to fuck off Marissa and get you to like go back to your private school and let him be. And he can just like toil away in life. Who cares? I wanted to say that it clicked for me in that scene that Marissa is the very definition of wanting her cake and eating it too. Like she does start to get super jealous that like Caitlin starts flirting with Johnny and stuff. And it's like, Marissa, you, this guy just professed his whole love to you. You didn't go with him. You stayed with Ryan, all this shit. And then as soon as she stopped getting that fucking attention from Johnny and he started giving it to someone else, she immediately wanted it back. Hey, man, that's just the human condition. It's her, though, always. Like, she is always wanting. She is just emotionally fucking dudes left and right. <laughs> Constantly. She's never actually hooking up. I would actually appreciate it more if like one night she got drunk and like accidentally hooked up with Johnny and then had to like go and apologize to Ryan. But she's just constantly emotionally fucking people. Mm -hmm. It's miserable. It's miserable. Not that uh, not that we'll try and explain it out loud because we'll definitely get it wrong. But she's just Gaslight City. Yeah, we've had a lot of talk as a friend group on trying to understand the exact definition of gaslighting and trying to figure out what it means, trying to use examples. And I feel like we're like 40% there, but we still have some work to do. So we'll just leave it there. Yeah, people have like tried to explain it to us in like a Trump context. Uh, but even even then, I wasn't totally sure. But I'm at the point with gaslighting, and this is all just completely irrelevant to anyone listening, but I'm at the point with gaslighting where I'm just like willing to accept I don't get it and like I'm good moving on. So that was like me with like like physics in high school. Yeah, like I'm never going to get it. No, we're good. Um, All right. Caitlin's bringing a little baggage in, dude. Little boarding school baggage. Oh, yeah. 
I want you to try and explain this baggage. Just a funny perspective. It'll be funny to hear you try and explain it. And then after that, I'm going to play a Ryan clip where he's trying to explain it and just watch how ridiculous all of it is. So go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she brings this whole trail of chaos behind her. And apparently we're led to believe that she stole money from a frat party or something that her boyfriend's brother threw. $1,500. $1,500. Now she does this whole thing where she essentially tells everybody, and I don't know if it's Ryan that she's telling this or Marissa, she's telling this, I forget, um, that her friend got pregnant by the guy that she stole the $1,500 from. Now, the guy that she stole the $1,500 from was not willing to pay for this girl's abortion. (laughs) So being the good person that she is, Caitlin decided to go to this party of her boyfriend's, rob the $1,500 from the boyfriend's older brother who impregnated her friend and then give that money to her friend for said abortion. Right. Am I, is this checking out? Yeah. It's a pretty elaborate lie that she's got going. Then the guy comes back gaslighting Ryan and Marissa (laughs) the whole time because that actually didn't happen, but she sticks with the lie. Yeah. Yeah. And the boys show up from the boy. Basically a whole frat rolls up on the Cohen house and they say, nah, baby, nah, Hmm. no go. It's not that it was essentially she just stole the money because she's a stupid, mean bitch. And she just wanted to steal the money for whatever reason. Then we find out that actually the real reason she did steal the money, but the real reason she did was because she had heard through the grapevine that Julie, her mom, was struggling, and she already knew she was actually in a trailer park, even though her mom didn't tell her. So she stole that $1,500 to help get her mom back on her feet. It's very complicated. It's very complicated. Here's Ryan trying to explain it. It's Caitlin. There's this guy looking for her. He says uh, she stole money from his brother. Oh, she stole from another kid? No way. Nah, she admitted it. But she says she took it because the brother got her friend pregnant. Needed it? I can't believe it. It doesn't make any sense. Why would he come after her if her story is true? So you think she's lying? I don't know. I think you need to talk to her. And accuse her of being a thief? I mean, after everything we've put her through, that'll really build her trust. Well, I don't think the guy's going away without his money. I was just dying at Ryan trying to explain it to Marissa because somehow Ryan got caught in the middle and I have no idea how, but like Ryan got caught where like, he just was the guy opening the door all the time to like the boy <laughs> showing up to the Cooper house or whatever. And um, so Ryan just got stuck in the middle of this like 14 year old drama. And you, I could just tell looking at him, like how miserable would that be? Like he accidentally opens the door to the Jehovah's witness. And the next thing you know, you're like, I it's, I don't, can you, I just don't want to be here. Can you? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's old me. Like that's old Atwood. The old, old Atwood, Atwood would have been in the, like season three Atwood is just kind of like in this weird older brother mode for the whole crew. Like he's yeah, kind of over the whole hothead fighting thing for now. I know. And he's always trying to solve his problems with a level head. Like it's a growth thing for him. I got to say, dude, boring. He's like a weird older brother, dad to the whole crew. You know, this, this is a good point. I didn't think about this till you just said it. Why did we have to have that? Like in, in Friday night lights, Tim Riggins is a very conflicted individual. He, he grew up in a really shitty, like he had a really shitty childhood. His dad left town, his mom died or whatever. I don't even know what happened to his mom, but he essentially grew up with no parents and, in a real fucked up situation. And that's something that he battles with his whole life. Like even when he starts to get it together, it's like three steps forward, four steps back, you know, like every time he, he, he tries and he tries and he just can't, but he's like good character inside with Ryan. It was like by season three, he solved all of his demons. I don't know. I just like that's that to me is why Friday night lights, like went on and had five 
killer kick-ass seasons and yeah. the oc like really fell off a cliff after season two i'd say they uh yeah i don't they, they just tried to solve ryan and then all of his plot lines were super boring after that and i mean what interesting has happened with ryan all of season three nothing zero. he's nothing. the most boring character in the show right now he he doesn't even freak out when marissa's like emotionally fucking other dudes constantly like he used to like i miss the old ryan who like would fly off the seat of it you know like anything would happen be like flip a switch he's fucking pissed beat some ass yeah he he when's the last time he beat ass dude i can't even remember dean has punch in like episode one or two of season three that's it yeah that's i think that maybe that's what scared him straight punching a dean yeah, I guess. Anyways, um, but I don't know. Maybe we can think it flashing forward way ahead. Maybe we can think of it all just the the rage boiling inside to like a season four Ryan where he's cage fighting. <laughs> yeah. like, it's still in there. I know. It's still in there. God, see, that is wild when he started cage fighting. Season four is is one of the biggest atrocities like ever in the history of television. But the first couple episodes where he's cage fighting are actually kind of good. I will say <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Um, okay. Episode ends with Johnny taking Caitlin home from the party. They're at like a party or something. It doesn't matter. And she wants him to pull over on the way to driving her home. And this leads to an impromptu skinny dip in the ocean. Yep. Sure does. So, Three thoughts from me again. One, foreign to us. Can yeah. you imagine this happening to us in high school? Like, our brains would have exploded. Yeah, well, first of all, it's impossible because we don't live next to a body of water. Mistake on our parts. Yeah, we blew that. But, uh, but imagine, like, even with a pool or something, like you're driving a super attractive girl home in high school, and she's like, hey, do you see that? What? Pull over what what are you saying pull over you're naughty <laughs> <laughs> and then she yeah. gets out i'm gonna hey take your clothes off i'm running skinny dip never fucking happened to us dude thought too how horny is this chick <laughs> she's so fucking horny Great time. inappropriate it's, thought too and, uh, and it's uh it's a combination of that and just like hell bent on revenge for kind of question mark reason against older sister. Yeah. She is getting so horny on the, on the thought of revenge on Marissa or like and showing poor, her up. And poor Johnny's just caught up as a complete pawn in this whole situation. I know. <laughs> uh, final thought three is okay. how weird is, is all this when you actually factor in like a senior and a freshman in high school, that dynamic. I don't know. We're not public school guys. I wish we were. I know. So like maybe that kind of stuff flies. Like who knows? Oh God. It's just such a leap, dude. That those such four a, it years. Is it is a leap. That gap. I can, I can almost see like a senior getting with a sophomore, but like a senior getting with a freshman just seems like, unless you're Greg Oden and you're a freshman and you look like you're 24, I don't know it, yeah, it's creepy. Uh, seniors in high schools are basically like pseudo-adults and freshmen are little kids. I know. It's. I think of it the same way as like freshmen in college and senior in college. Like when we were freshmen in college, we were rolling up to a frat party like 17 dudes deep just because we're that big of idiots. And uh, by the time you're seniors, you're like able to go to bars and it's just a completely different world that you live. Yeah, well, just to put it into perspective, when we we're 18 freshmen in, in college, just looking at a 22, 23 year old, like they seemed extremely mature, like light years ahead of you age wise. And they had their shit together and they were cool. Now thinking back on a 22 year old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like acting at all, like they know what's going on. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. I was going to ask you uh, about this scene. I, I actually wrote down where do you stand on the let's jump in the ocean type of person? Like the type of person where you're just driving along and they're just like, you know what? Let's be crazy. Let's get in the ocean. 
like at night like that like the exact context of this like situation yeah, the is exact exactly context, the same exact context i mean i'm out pretty hard the the only way i could ever see is if it's if it's the situation where you're single and it's a girl you're really trying to get with if she throws it out there that's literally the only time in situation that i could be on board with that scenario if it's someone who I'm not trying to get with, it's just a friend or it's another dude or whatever. If I'm not trying to hook up, I'm so out. I'm like, what in my head, I'm just going, what's the win here? Like (laughs) a lot of things are going through my head. Like one, okay, now I need to take my shoes off. Now I need to take my socks off. Like I'm going to get tons of sand in my feet. And like, now I'm going to go in and it's so everyone knows it's so hard to get the sand off your feet and get those socks and shoes back on, especially yeah. if you don't have like a ready shower head available, like, you know, an off the beach little shower head, dude, it sucks. So like, I'd be thinking a lot about that. I wouldn't want to get sand in the car. I have OCD. So like the thought of like, I'd just be thinking like, I'm going to have to clean that sand out later. Right. And yeah, like, I don't know. I'm just not dying to go in at night. It's a little scary. Yeah. Who knows what could be in the water? Anything. I think for me, it's just a purely mood-based thing. Just depending on the night, depending on that, uh, I'm either in the mood to be uh, jumping in the ocean or not. And who's to say, who's to say what kind of mood I'll be on. on Well, what if it's intern Whitney? And say we do live, say we we do live by a body of water like that. And you guys are driving home after like, you know, a party that we went to pre-COVID. Right. And she's like, hey, pull over. Hmm. Because while I'm you're thinking, getting... I'll tell you, if that's me and I'm with Anna from HR and she does that, I'm super fucking annoyed. Like all I'm trying to do at the end of that party is just go the fuck home. Man, I, I think I'm just going to take this opportunity to look better than you. Uh, I see it as a, an opportunity to strengthen our marriage. Wow. And we're going to get in that ocean together. Are you going to hook up in that ocean? And what do sure, you do? we'll have to take the car to the, the cleaner tomorrow and get a detail, get all the sand out. But it'll, it'll be great. What do you do in the ocean? Frolic. And like grab ass and stuff? Horseplay. Definitely yeah. some horseplay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, different folks, different strokes, dude, or whatever that <laughs> saying is. <laughs> but going back to my previous point, really, it depends. Am I in the let's jump in the ocean type of mood on that particular moment? Yeah, I don't think I ever would be like maybe in the daytime you could get me, you know, to do it. But at night, I just don't see it. But anyways, let's transition into episode 13 with the song that they're playing during that skinny dip scene. Here it is. I just love any song where it's like, you know, things are starting to get like sexual and stuff like it's getting sexual. Episode 13. The poster. All right. There's essentially three storylines happening in this. And by the way, whenever I count storylines, I'm probably not counting any storyline that involves Summer's dad, Neil Roberts. Yeah, he's kind of a zero, unfortunately. Yeah. I think I made the, the point a couple episodes back that like it was a missed opportunity to not weave him in um, as much as they did. But now that he's getting woven in, like I'm out. 
You know, for me, it's like, I don't care if you reintroduce or you introduce teen characters throughout the years, like, Hey, new blood. I'm totally cool with that. But like with parents, if I'm not introduced to you in season one, I don't want to get to know you in season three or four. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's valid. I'm with that. Like when they bring Ryan's dad in, in the back half of season four, like I'm, I'm so checked out on meeting Ryan's dad now. <laughs> now, if they did it in season one, I would have loved it. Cause it would have been like, figure out where Ryan comes from. Like, where's this bad boy come from, dude. But like by season four, I'm just out anyways. Um, the three storylines I think are most important and we can just hit them. We don't need to go line by line through the episode. We can just hit them story by story. So one, Caitlin turning 15 and all the shit that she's doing for her birthday with like Johnny and all that. Oh yeah. Number two is Sandman trying to win this hospital real estate proposal, dude. Love to dive into that. Honorably, of course. He would never try and win a proposal dishonorably. And then number three is Seth. And this is where I really want to pull pull on your thoughts because you're much more knowledgeable on the Seth storyline in, in episode 13, which is Seth dealing with going to college. He starts getting into a little marijuana. He sure does. Addiction. Um, okay. A teen, a teen in Southern California getting into weed. It's, it's tragic, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I think all that stuff did not age very well. It didn't to be honest. And that's why I want to get your thoughts, but let's first do the Caitlin and Johnny one. I'm uh, I'm going to play a quick clip of uh, Caitlin bringing Johnny around to the bait shop. Oh my God, Marissa, I totally forgot you're going to be here. Hey, what are you two doing? We're just hanging out. So don't forget or anything. Yeah, we probably should have mentioned it. So you two were just hanging out? Well, yeah. You took me home from the party, remember? Then we had a chance to talk when we first met. Actually, I... Oh, so I asked you to drive my little sister home and you guys went for a midnight swim? No, look, I just got her a towel. Who are you really calling this morning, me or her? One, when when she said, when the kids say hanging out, what does that mean exactly? Fucking? Hand jobs? Out. It's tough. Hand jobs? I, and so we'll, like, let's break it down. There's dating. Yeah. There's talking. We're talking. There's hanging out. Is there anything else? Is there, I feel like there's a fourth one I'm missing. And I don't know if there are steps in a hierarchy. Hooking up? Way. Hooking up. Maybe that's one. I don't. Ah. Then I think hanging out is first. Like hanging out is yeah. first before you get to dating, obviously hooking up or to, I don't know where it, where it compares. I to think talking. it goes, I think it goes hanging out, talking, dating, dating, and then like officially like in a boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. I think hooking up might just be like an outlier out there. Like, yeah. Like we got drunk one night. There was a pee pee touch. Maybe. We're just hanging out. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. I wonder if those same four still apply, like with the teens today, you know, like, I wonder if, yeah. if there's a new like colloquialism in there or if they still say, oh, oh yeah, we're talking. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, if we ever get a, <clears throat> well, we have had real teen on this pod, my cousin. Um, if we ever get her to come back on, I'll definitely add that to my list of questions to ask her. Like what is. Yeah. Ask her like, what, it, what is it called? Like, what's the term when you're just interacting via like social media? Like harmless, like oh Snapchat. Oh, I know I'm yeah. gonna put this post up. I know I'm gonna get a like, like a flirt, like you know, or I'm gonna like I'm gonna put a story up. I know I might get like an emoji back from that story. I think like, it's I all like on that, Snapchat, dude. I don't think yeah, it's like much Snapchat, on Instagram. Like, like we're Snapchat friends. Like we're gonna like Snapchat. I feel like the kids Snapchat like selfies to each other, and that's like a big flirt thing. It is. It, it's it's <laughs> constant Snapchatting of selfies and. I think nowadays it's that that whole breakdown we just did of like hanging out, talking or whatever it, there's this whole new element of like, we're just Snapchat fucking for like a good couple weeks, um, a couple months before we will actually like start hanging out in person. 
Um, it seems like the weight in the weight in would be so much easier like nowadays like you know i remember back in my day we had to call the house and ask god (laughs) yeah i know fuck is sam there hey sam uh, there (laughs) yeah your daughter is sam there on the house phone can you call her in is she playing outside can you call her (laughs) yeah um okay so they're hanging out we already addressed this marissa was clearly jealous and at one point they're like in there hanging out she takes caitlin takes johnny up to her room and sneaks a kiss in on him she sure does and johnny wasn't really into it but we could tell in that situation it was specifically so that caitlin afterward could say that she made out with johnny oh yeah she just wanted to rub it in yeah (laughs) she uh I mean, physically corners him in the room and emotionally corners him and intellectually corner like Caitlin Cooper. Uh, yeah, Cooper. She's just running circles around all these people mentally. I love it, actually. To, I mean, to I Johnny, hate her. she's like, she's like getting in close for like trying to go for this kiss. And he's like, oh, let's just hang out. Let's just be friends. Like I'm 17. And she's like, yeah. And as of today, I'm 15. So that separates us by only two years. It's no longer weird. The only thing that could be getting in between us now is that you like Marissa, which you say you do not. So I'm going to kiss you. Mm, yeah. No, I will say, like, I hate Caitlin Cooper, ex- like high levels. But when I'm, if I take emotion out of it, just analyzing her gameplay, she is fucking running circles around Marissa. Yeah, she's a shark. I mean, yeah. She's just owning like all the dudes. And, I love seeing it. I love seeing it. Like, I mean, to use a a metaphor, she's like, like a, like a Warren Buffett type character. And Marissa is um, a Jimmy Cooper. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And that, that to your earlier point, that's exactly why Julie Cooper said, this is my daughter versus Marissa. Who's her father's daughter kind of thing. Game over. Game over. Quick zag from me, though, because I, I remember writing this note down um, before we get into those three storylines from this. There's a zag where it just caught my eye. Remember in season one, we had a, a lot of we had an extensive chat about the SD that they put on the Chino cam versus <laughs> the HD that they had in Newport. Yeah. So whenever they left Newport. And, and we were in, you know, sparkling HD. Whenever we left Newport and we went to fucking Chinotown trash, we would flip a lens over the camera that just said standard definition. It was grainy. A little grainier and a yeah. bit of like a sepia tone thrown in there. So now what I've noticed is steady cam versus a handheld camera. And they pull out the handheld camera that's like sitting on someone's shoulder when they're in the trailer with, with the Julie Cooper in the trailer park or whatever. So it has like a very like unsteady, like real vibe. It's kind of shaky a little bit. That's a nice nugget. Yeah. You know, uh, Friday night lights does that all the time. I think the reason it seems so raw and real is that they had like a handheld camera, not a steady cam. So like the camera shots are kind of shaky it, it felt like when coach Taylor was given a speech in the locker room, you were actually like sitting in that locker room, like, you know, watching him give that speech. Um, anyways, that was like the, the awesome side of Friday night lights. But I think they did that as a tactic in the OC um, to make it seem like more shitty and real <laughs> being in a trailer park. <laughs> so anyways, eh, just a little technical thing there, dude. Dude, that's like, a good call-out. I, yeah. I like that uh, That rich take. Okay. Now, this is where you come alive, and this is the number two storyline of Seth smoking pot, dude. A lot nothing, of pot talk. Nothing is more memorable and stuck out in my mind, like I remembered immediately watching this back, was Seth with a bag of pre-rolled joints. Three of them. Three pre-rolled joints because that's how you buy drugs. i don't even do drugs but i even know that i don't think it goes that way 
like with you, the you, buying you, of the you, drugs. Like your drug dealer takes the time to like roll your little joints for you. Like, oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. So there's that. Um, he buys them, by the way, plot wise, he buys them from Caitlin. Right. Because he's, she obviously has, she's smoking weed all the time because she's crushing. And <laughs> he is like trying to relieve stress. Right. And they do it as like a, it's not necessarily like Seth is turning a corner down like a drug path type thing. They do it as more of like a, this is a, an out of character behavior for Seth. Like he's, he's freaking out. He's going through like a little bit of a quarter life crisis type deal. And they just highlight that, I think, by making him buy a bag of pre-roll joints from a 14-year-old and smoke them in his room. Yeah, which that was with, another. By, yeah, how he the, was smoking them was so weird. He put a towel <laughs> down under his 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 uh, bedroom door, put a towel down so no smell could get out. And then he would just smoke in his room, but then blow it out the window. And then Lysol like crazy when he was done. That's how you got. That's how you get caught, kids. Just take a, yeah. take a walk around the block if if you want to do that. If you want to go down that drug path and potentially ruin your life, oh, take a walk yeah. around the block. Yeah, like get it. Don't do it so close to home. <laughs> like everyone but, can smell it in the house. But yeah, and then the other obvious stuff is like he smokes this this joint or whatever. Ryan comes in and he's just acting like basically absurd. Oh. Like he's. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) What is that? Yeah, dude, he's acting like fucking narc, dude. Yeah, well, Ryan comes in, biggest narc in the world. And then Seth is acting like, uh, like, oh, let's play that clip. Let's play the clip of how Seth acts. Jeez, man. I'm something's blocking the door. Okay. Just call him down. I gotta get in right now. Jeez. Well, it's, it's, it's almost 3.30, isn't your interview at 4? What are you talking about? Hey, how that happened? Something smells. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But they say the first sign of um, a brain tumor is uh, phantom smells, so you should lie down. Hey, hey. You solved it. You figured it out. That's... You're a mystery solver. You're like an Encyclopedia Brown. Remember when Encyclopedia Brown, he went on down to Texas? I always look at these sort of clips like from a drunk lens. Like whenever I see someone who's acting drunk on on like a TV show, a lot of times it's like, oh, my God, that's not how you act when you're drunk. Like, what the fuck? Like that that's that isn't how it goes. So as someone like yourself who's dabbled recreationally, is that how it goes? Do you act like that? No, it's the same thing with when you're drunk. If, you, if you're drunk, you try to act like you're not drunk. And if you're high, you try to act like you're not high. <laughs> and the weird thing about Seth's thing is he is high for like six straight hours. It's a while. Like yeah. The rest of the episode, he is just saying the, like weird shit and just like going around like as if he's not his personality anymore. It's just a little odd. It's like, yeah the character adam brody would have had his own experiences but also our guy josh schwartz was a a little tone deaf in my personal opinion where did you stand on them constantly calling it pot uh it hurt my stomach like cops brian sounded like a cop (laughs) they all i wondered if that was like can they not say weed or like can they not say that they have to say pot because it's on fox or something i don't know I don't know, but yeah, it was brutal. I, I, I this storyline of Seth like getting addicted, like that's the thing is they they almost everyone in the cast they treat it as if he's quote unquote like addicted to hard drugs, like he's he started an addiction to heroin laced with PCP <laughs> laced with fucking crack. Like I don't I don't know. They just the, the, it's like weird for the the character lives in Southern California. He's in the indie music and skateboarding, and he's never been exposed to a little pot. In little... season one, dudes were blowing lines of coke off strippers yeah. at parties. What the it's, fuck? It's, it's incongruous with the character in the rest of the show. So it's just a little odd and weird. 
why why are they all clear with cocaine seth could have gone through that nervous breakdown without any drugs yeah it was it's it's weird the whole storyline with seth and and they do i know they carry this on for like another three or four episodes like his quote-unquote drug addiction um but I feel bad for him because, you know, we touched on it earlier. I really think he's just he's going through a hard time because and I felt for him because it seems like they're trying to go to college. Summer's putting a lot of pressure on him uh, now to, like, go to Brown and they go to Brown together. And, you know, they they don't fuck up everything that they've created. And I feel bad for him because I think he has so much pressure on himself of like, I've been saying I want to leave this fucking place my whole life. I've been saying I want to leave Orange County. I was a nerd. I had no friends. And then all of a sudden, two years ago, I got my first really good friend. He became my brother. I have a great family situation, obviously. And now I have the girl. I'm dating the girl of my dreams. So, like, I think in his head, he's just so conflicted because his life has actually turned around and become really sweet. And he doesn't want to fuck it up as he moves forward. Yeah, the brown thing used to be his escape plan, but now he just has nothing to escape from. Right. And he knows Summer's like now got these perfect SAT scores and he's got to like now match her to be able to like not fuck up her future plans of being with him at Brown. It's just a it's a it's a terrible situation he's in. I think the actual emotions he were he's going through are super interesting. The whole weed thing was just distracting. Didn't need it. Horribly. I mean, Give me anything else, and I would have loved that storyline of like all these conflicting issues. Again, back to the Tim Riggins thing. Like they did such a good job of like playing all these nuanced little emotions that he would have based on the situations. And they could have done that with Seth right here. And they they added that whole weed thing as like, see, shit's fucked up, and look at the outlet that he's turning to to like deal with all this stuff. Yeah. Anyways, um, okay, third Sandy. Third, third storyline, Sandy. Cool. I just was laughing. I was just laughing at this because the whole thing is they they have to try and get Sandy's now running the Newport group, as we know. Yeah. yeah. He's I don't know how he's qualified, but he is running the Newport group. <laughs> and his whole thing is like, I'm gonna do it honorably. I'm yeah. not Caleb. Yeah, not he's do basically it. running a real estate empire on good vibes. <laughs> exactly. Which I get it. If like you're, you know, you're a public defender making 30 K a year, good vibes will take you a long way. But when you're in like the cutthroat business industry of real estate, dude, I just, that is not going to work. So they go up like for this hospital bid and they're competing with one other real estate company to get this bid to build this hospital in Orange County in Balboa Heights. It's, you know, it's this whole thing of like business. The other group is like whining and dining him, dude. They're playing golf with them. They're taking them to dinners, surf and turf. They're just expensing all this shit, dude. And Sandy's like, nah, I'm not going to play that game. I'm going to do it. No, no, no. I do it the Sandy Cohen way. It doesn't work. Obviously, I was glad that they that they showed that it didn't work. Cause it, they showed Sandy like going out doing it. Like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to walk them in the, in these like shitty projects where we're going to put the hospital and, and walk them through these really terrible neighborhoods and, and have them get food at a food truck. And then that'll work. Cause he'll get emotionally connected to like, we're servicing this area. And yeah, I loved yeah. how the guy just wasn't down. Yeah, it wasn't down. It was, it was cool. It, it broke pattern because obviously Sandy, Sandy is an idealist. And for the most part, it works out for him. Just doing the right thing just tends to work out for the Sandman. <laughs> but at this time, like halfway through his plan of just like, oh, yeah, we'll show him. It's like underserviced community. I'm going to talk about all the uh, free healthcare clinic stuff that we're going to do. The guy just wasn't biting. Yeah. And then at a certain point, Sandy's like, wait a second. I really want this hospital to happen so that I can serve this underserviced yeah. community and do the free healthcare clinics. But like I'm doing those people a disservice by sticking to my guns. So let's bring in some hookers. <laughs> yeah, so, so like, he's like, all right, Matt Ramsey, my number two guy who's willing to cross any line out there. I'll, I'll now I'll do whatever it takes. So Matt Ramsey <laughs> just essentially just calls like three or four hookers. 
and yeah. just brings them to a hotel room and there's these three girls that they've just paid to fuck this dude to get the hospital bed and then the guy just makes this line of like sandy you got the deal dude look i saw that you're willing to take care of me the least i can do is take care of you <laughs> sign on the dotted line fucking deal sandy gets a hospital I- I feel like Matt Ramsey's Matt Ramsey's skill in business, uh, apart from having like all like any zero moral qualms about doing anything that needs to be done to make the deal go through. He has an eye for like, he can just look him in the eyes and be like, Oh yeah, this guy's into Coke and hookers. Let's, Oh yeah. Let's roll that in. Cause like if you misread that situation and you bring a bunch of hookers to the hotel room, like that's going south quick. Like if that guy's actually a family man and like <laughs> yeah. care about the hospital. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And Matt has a sweet hookup because he's like his best friend is that girl who works at that strip club. So he's yeah. always got a hookup into the shadiness. And yeah, Matt Ramsey, dude, he is not afraid to get his hands dirty. No, they stayed. Actually, you know, in a weird way, as much Matt Ramsey is the worst actor of all time, by the way. But like in a weird way, I actually think like he's the perfect pairing with Sandy. Yeah. In this venture, because, dude, Sandy's starting to realize like it's business, baby. Yeah, it's all business. (laughs) It don't care, Sandy. Doesn't matter if you're selling out, Sandy. It's business, dude. It's all about the fucking profits, revenues, profit uh, margins. <laughs> they're uh, Hugh Honey and Vic Vinegar from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia doing real estate deals. I don't watch that show, so I don't understand that reference, but I'm sure it is spot on. Spot Love that. Okay. Should we end with the montage, dude? <laughs> I think there's only one thing we should do, and that's end with that montage. Uh, can we say... Before we start playing the song, a hepta montage. Heptagon. Heptagon. It's been a while since geometry. How many how many are we talking? Lay it out there. Seven. Hepta montage. That's seven. We know our sweet spot. Cue that music. There's a We know our sweet spot is quad montage, but guess what? I'm not going to bat a fucking eye over a hepta montage any day of the week. I want to say also quickly, this song, dude, this is my favorite OC song of the entire series. It's the song that I listen to the most out of any song in the series. Oh, really? I enjoyed it, and I just didn't uh, remember to look it up afterwards. It's uh, it's called Insomnia by Electric President, and it is my favorite song. I love everything about it. Okay, do you want to explain the hepta? What's going on in this heptagon? Um, to be honest, there were so many things happening, and I did not write them down. So I'm gonna need your help. Cool, I got it. Number one, Sandy takes a hard sip off of his scotch because he is going through this mental dilemma of fucking selling out for the hospital dude he sold out for the hospital it's sandy taking a hard hard sip on that on that straight liquor on the rocks. number two seth right above him theoretically taking a nice puff on that chiba dude taking yes. a nice puff down on that that hot leaf dude that <laughs> yes that's seth ryan number three in this hepta montage Ryan looking at a picture of Marissa and him because I think he's starting to realize that Marissa cares much more about all this shit going on with Caitlin and Johnny than she does about him. Ryan's a little slow. Ryan's a little slow. Number four is Marissa, who is brooding over the Johnny Caitlin shit on her lifeguard stand. That is number four by herself. Number five is Julie getting broken up with by Neil Roberts. We don't care. But it's her getting broken up with leaving his huge mansion. Leave the keys on the counter, Julie. Yeah, that was amazing. Number six is Caitlin locked out of the trailer park. Uh, and then number seven is Summer looking through the brown brochure that yep. she is getting excited to go to school with Seth, who, like you said, is smoking the reefer. 
seven hepta montage. It's a lot, dude. A lot going on. A lot going on. And we didn't even get anything with Kirsten. I mean, nothing with Kirsten, really, but... Yeah, this was basically a, a Kirsten-less episode. I can't even remember a single thing. I think in the, in the, um, the first episode, her and Julie are doing some, like, dating service oh they are they're still doing a dating service i i honestly just could not care less yeah that whole storyline to me is just so uninteresting i don't know why they're running out dude they're running out of stories (laughs) they're just running so out you know i'm i'm now i i know you know this but for the kids so the kids know i'm so running out of shows on netflix and on netflix in this COVID era that I've now resorted to paying $10 a month for the CBS app and going back and watching all the seasons of Survivor and The Challenge and Big Brother and just going down that insane rabbit hole. That is a lot to bite off. It's a lot. Um, But guess what? I've got the time. And what I've realized is a lot of these shows are like 14 episodes and that's kind of like good, dude. You know, like yeah, these these twenty five episode seasons, it is just so not sustainable. I mean, we've only done thirteen episodes on this season three of the OC. It's so much, you know what I mean. And we're we're only halfway through the season. You almost like obviously the the coolest job ever would be a writer on some kind of a, a TV show. But if there's twenty seven episodes, it seems like such an actual job. Well, and it and it proved out in this world that it wasn't sustainable. And now you don't see that anymore. I mean, now, and I know we've talked about this, but you have shows, new teen dramas on HBO, like Euphoria, which is eight episodes. Eight so we're, not, we're not even getting to double digits now on these seasons. And, and I still feel like they cover so many storylines, but it's just 27 is so much. I mean, think about this on the OC, dude. We haven't seen Volchek. Volchek showed up like seven episodes ago and tried to like stole Johnny's girl and all that and then just disappeared. And you and I know what happens with Volchek when he comes back, obviously in a big way. But we we haven't even been reintroduced to Volchek and all that shit that goes down with him at the end of season three. I mean, as much as we worship this show, season three starts to get stretched pretty thin. I know. I, for me, one is on a different level. Two is not as high, but it's it's still you know right up there. Season three is where it really takes a step back. Still quality, but then obviously season four, it completely falls off the cliff. And there's no way we could even entertain the idea of doing season four on this podcast. Unless we were doing it purely for comedic purposes, <laughs> like not enjoyment of teen drama, just we want to make laugh at it kind of thing. Um, okay, I haven't even done an MCITW. I'm going to do my MCITW, then you do your MVP. We'll wrap it up. Cool. Deal. MCITW. That is the Marissa Cooper is the worst of the week. And it is brought to you by our sponsors who are getting a real late nod in the game. Wicklow where W-I-C-K-L-O-W where be free and explore get all your outdoor gear wicklowware.com type in the promo code VL check get 10% off your order kits that's $30 on the baseball tees $20 on the tanks $40 on the hooded sweatshirts and $20 on the new t-shirts slide into our DMs for all of our good swag situations for me dude it's a dual MCITW this week I think Marissa was horrible so obviously she gets her standard MCITW award Mm-hmm. her naivete and just how bad she essentially wants to emotionally fuck all dudes in her path and still have a boyfriend, Ryan. It bothers me. But number two, dude, keeping it in the family. I got to go Caitlin Cooper because, and I think you might have her as your MVP because she was stirring a whole lot, which I'm fine with. But like, I just want to play another clip of her just so you can hear her speak. Yeah, that's why I spent the last two Christmases with complete strangers. Look around, Marissa. My friend Hadley's dad owns this property. When he heard about his new tenant, he called her right away because he couldn't believe it. Julie Cooper Nickel, isn't that Caitlin's mom? It's just 
it's how she talks, dude. I, I, there's something about the way, like Ryan, Marissa, what, like, I, what do you want from me, Marissa? There's something about like how she talks that like bothers me to my core. And for those reasons, the Cooper gals get the MCITWB for an explorer, get fucked, the two of you. Harsh. And just like you predicted, I am in fact giving the MVP <laughs> to Caitlin Cooper. She injected some much, much needed lifeblood into this uh, floundering season three. Um, I think every single plot besides uh, Sandy's good vibes business stuff revolved around her for the most part. Yeah. And this is actually uh, an intern take as she was watching it. Went full, like, I don't want to call it method because that's not the word. She imitated Marissa's annoying vocal patterns. So, like, oh, so that clip I so just. That's played. not actually her voice. That's her acting like her older sister in the show. Oh, interesting. With a super drained out, monotone voice that's like. I will say, I bought both of them as sisters. Like there was a couple scenes where they showed them like walking on the pier together and both of them are very tall, very skinny, like lanky. Like I buy those two actresses as related. Yeah, no, and, absolutely. And that's full credit to our girl, Caitlin. And yeah, it's method. just, it's just yeah. so awesome. Teen drama stuff. It's like, you've been written off a show for like three years. You come in flaming hot. Yeah. First and only thing you basically do is just, bulldoze over your sister's love life just right. carve a path right through it she takes johnny out of the picture she rats it up ryan's like kind of jealousy that he's just pushing down super hard <laughs> she gets so mature now about that and uh yeah i thought she was just great yeah really bad awful person but stirred up a lot of drama which i appreciated no i'm like yeah i hate her a lot but i'm glad that she's here you know because to your point ryan's not doing shit anymore from a drama perspective he's not providing anything and seth and summer they're just like solid in their relationship so there's not much happening there either anymore so we really did need her to come in and start churning and she's a she's a flat-out villain i mean i hate her but I know that she's kind of critical at this point. Yeah. Usually we talk like basketball, the guy coming off the bench and like winning an MVP. She's more soccer style winning man of the match this time because it's like, you know, 86th minute, the game is tied. She comes in off the bench and scores a goal in injury time and just wins it for the team. Yeah. All right, dude. Does that do it for us? Certainly. That does it for us. So, kids, getting late. Time for you to tuck on in. You have a really good night sleep, kids. And, Pat, what do you tell those kids? Clear eyes. Full hearts. Do less, kids. Do it less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured.